Greetings, salutations, and welcome to Sports Talk. Scott Beatty and Lauren Tate with you here in hour number one. I'm Scott. He is Lauren. Just in case you weren't sure on how that worked. Good to see you, sir. Good to see you. And hour number two, Evan Kahn will be in. Nice lineup here on the program. Joey Wagner, Illini Inquirer, will visit with us. we got some Illini football training camp to break down. And uh, some Illini football recruiting news as well. Do you bad dive, news. Yeah. Frankly, yeah. Bad news for Really, the really, really bad because they're just having so much trouble getting defensive linemen. And um, Harkless, is, who has decommitted, was the, the only one that really had ranked high uh, among defensive linemen. They're not going to have underclassmen. They're not going to have many next year. Jamarian Harkless announced his decommitment today. I guess that doesn't mean it's for sure he could come back, but that usually doesn't happen. Anyway, Joey Wagner will help us process all that uh, coming up. Of course, the reports about the media deals are starting to uh, bring everything into picture when it comes to the Big Ten. Uh, But we start with a, a sad note, and that is the passing that we learned today of Clyde Turner, former Champaign Central High School standout, one of the finest ever play for the Maroons, and he had been in hospice care at the age of 70 up in Minnesota. I think he probably is the greatest uh, Champaign Central basketball player based on his size, and he took him to the final four, and they played Proviso. I'll never forget this. I was watching the game, and Champaign Central under Lee Kabuti was holding the ball against Jim Brewer and that great Proviso East team that would win the, the state championship that year. They're holding the ball with a one-point lead and under 30 to go. And all of a sudden, they made a pass. With, I'd say 20 seconds ago, and I, I may be off on that, but it was late in the game, and they were holding. And uh, there were no shot clock or anything. You know, they could hold. And obviously, uh, Proviso was going to have to foul. And all of a sudden, Clyde broke free about five feet in front of the basket, had an, a shot that he'd make 95% of the time, and it hit the back rim and came out, and Proviso got the ball, came down, scored, and won the game by, I'm sure that was a that was the only basket. At the end, they won by one, and then they went on to win the state championship later that that year. So that was how close Champaign Central came to at least getting into the championship game. That was a one-class tournament, mm-hmm. third place for yeah. them, instead of getting into the state championship game. That was really a good team, and then... Of course, Turner and Ron Brewer went on to Minnesota, played basketball at Minnesota, University of Minnesota, for Bill Musselman, and they had Ron Behagen and a guy that you might have heard of, Dave Winfield, was on that team. Mm-hmm. Became a heck of an outfielder in, in the major leagues. But uh, they, they got into that big uh, – the worst event in Big Ten basketball history against Ohio State when they got in that big fight and were kicking each other on the floor and – they had a wild one. I mean, it was terrible, mm. and uh, they were they were they were awfully good. But they they'll always be remembered for that event uh, against Ohio State. Clyde Turner was uh, unfortunately well, unfortunately will not be will miss his induction into the University of Minnesota's Hall of Fame. 
He was slated to be uh, inducted this September, the equivalent of what Illinois does here in, in the fall. So now he'll be posthumously honored. He was also drafted by the Milwaukee Bucks in the fifth round in 1973, but did not play in the NBA, did play a couple of years in Europe, and eventually made his home in Minneapolis after mm-hmm. his professional career ended, and he returned to where he went to school. But that uh, harkens back to a time when Minnesota basketball was really good. Yeah. And, yeah. of course, what a legacy there is here in Champaign. And uh, it's interesting to me, too, that it's this is just a few days after that Champaign Centennial alumni game that happened on Saturday. Yeah. That yeah. was which brought out a lot of people that would remember Clyde Turner. They had a really good cur- turnout. And, of course, you got to go back <laughs> half a century to, to have seen him. Mm-hmm. But uh, Clyde was, was, I don't think that Central since that time has ever had a better basketball player or a better team than that Kabuti team. I don't think so. Somebody can, that's a lot of years. That's uh, 50 years or, or nearly. And, and, uh, but I don't, I don't think that Central hasn't had a team like that. If you uh, have any thoughts on that or anything else sports-wise, 217-351-5357 is the Castle Heating and Cooling text line if you want to weigh in. So our, our condolences and sympathies to all those who are mourning the passing of Clyde Turner. Now, it started to come out last night, and it's been confirmed by multiple outlets that the Big Ten media deal is coming across the finish line and of course numbers are significant and all that but also no more espn slash abc in a package for the big 10 when it comes to football basketball um and and that's i guess in a sentimental way maybe uh, a little bit odd and i don't know how attached people feel to that, but or if it even matters, but on the, on well, the other side, in this sense, you might not get as much play during the regular sports shows because they tend to to concentrate on the sports that they cover. You are right because all of a sudden, hockey has become much more primary in Sports Center coverage now that they have an NHL package, uh, and so yeah, I think ESPN still is indeed the leader when it comes to sports highlights and coverage and recaps and all that. If, if that $350 million is correct uh, for the 11 o'clock games, uh, I'm sorry, for the, um, yes, for th- that would be Fox at, at uh, noon uh, or 11. Uh, noon or 11 our time. And uh, the 2.30 game CBS, that would be, um, if, if you got uh, over $300 million for each, that would make that one billion number uh correct probably mm-hmm. and you and you got the big 10 network too don't forget the big 10 network itself yeah which is partially owned by the, the league and partially owned by fox fox, right. fox has the majority stake yeah. in it so i don't know how that works out in terms of uh, i suppose that when you say that you're getting x number of dollars from fox when we find out what that is would that include the big 10 network then oh yeah that's a good question I don't know how that would, would happen. Fox will is slated to remain Big Ten's main media partner, and um, and as the ESPN and Fox current deal will expire at the end of this coming mm-hmm. athletic year. Yes. We've got one more year of basketball, and ESPN will 
be covering basketball for the 40th year, I'm told, about the 40th year that they've covered it, and uh, this will be the end of it. Now, uh, ESPN will then exclusively broadcast SEC games as part of a 10-year agreement, Mm -hmm. and Notre Dame, I'm reading here from an Adam Rittenberg article, uh, NBC, which carries Notre Dame home football games, will likely have Big Ten football in the evening window as part of the new agreement. Right. CBS and NBC are set to pay about $350 million for their Big Ten packages. Um, what I don't understand is, or what's not set out here, is where how basketball fits in. Does NBC or CBS get all of that with basketball? Um do they, well, you know, they each get a piece of that? I'm hard to imagine Big Ten basketball on NBC. <laughs> well, we haven't received anything official on this, but basketball will be about, and I'm basing this on uh, on, on another uh, situation, it'll be about 15% of the amount. 15%, in other words, 85% of it's football and mm-hmm. 15% of it is uh, basketball. And then the, the rest of the sports, I guess, are just covered by Big Ten Network. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know if uh, some of the non-revs occasionally make their way onto ESPN networks. I don't well, know yeah, if that's part of the hockey. package or if that's just what ESPN wants to do. Well, I think, yeah, I, I don't know either. I don't know. If, I, I'm sure that some schools make a little money on hockey, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. as far as, but uh, Illinois doesn't. <laughs> yeah. And I'm just saying occasionally there's a volleyball game or a, a baseball uh-huh. or softball game during the regular season yeah. that was on ESPN. Right. Mm-hmm. So that's how it's all coming down. And what's intriguing to me is I thought I saw that uh, Notre Dame is slated to get a much bigger check from NBC going forward as well. When? Their their contract has got a couple more years. Okay. I just wonder when, when that will happen. I mean, they've got an escalator cause that, because when we say that they receive $15 million, that might have been a number that they were receiving a couple of years ago, and it might be 16, it might be 17, it might be 18. I don't know. They don't have to announce it, but I, I know there's an escalator cost that's in there. and uh, so. But they need a lot more than, let's say, $20 million the next time around per year, and, and I'm sure they'll get it. The, the conference today, for what it's worth, released a statement confirming nothing but saying mm-hmm. that the media deal is going to be great. <laughs> when it comes out, so just and you it's wait. It's going to be real soon. And what <laughs> Any, we're doing now is jumping the gun a little bit on it. With it Nicole Auerbach uh, had some th- had some information to begin with, and and now it's kind of ma- it's circulating around now. Yeah, and uh, John uh, Orand, uh, I, mm-hmm. I don't know exactly how you say his last name, but from yeah. Sports Business Journal, he was the first on all of this. Was he ahead of her? Yeah, everybody. He was ahead of everybody. But, okay, but everybody's been able to start uh, confirming all these things independently. Uh, one would suppose. So that's uh, how the things may be. And here's one, I guess, major fallout I could see potentially from this is if ESPN is out of the Big Ten picture, that leaves more that they can do with not only the SEC already, but with the Pac-12 or the Big 12. And that maybe actually works in those two conferences' favor as they're fighting right now to stay afloat especially the Pac-12. Well, ESPN has got a lot of holes to fill. They got they got ESPN Plus, ESPN, you know, various uh, ESPN2. They've they've got to they've got to find 
games to cover. And so they'll be after, yeah, they'll be after the, the other. But you've got to remember, the Big Ten is the only one right now in the, in the middle of negotiation. Now, the Pac-12 is also, but they're, they're negotiating without the two powerhouses. Well, and it, and it just continues to underscore as, as much as folks want to tune in and hear folks like you and me discussing things, actual live sports is still king. Oh, yeah. That's, that's what is the, the main driver. People want to see and they want to listen to it's games. It's the main thing on TV where people don't necessarily tape the games. Some do, but most people want to see the games when they're played. I have a heck of a time watching a game that's already been played. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I do it, and I've done it, and I'll do it in the future. But I think most people, the reason that the advertising sales are so good is because more people watch advertising during games than they do during shows. When we come back, we will talk with Joey Wagner, a Illini Inquirer, his thoughts on Illinois football more than a week into training camp and and we'll get his thoughts on this recruiting news as well back after this no hard start on the ball game tonight for the white Sox because they're playing a doubleheader. they're playing right now against the kansas city royals and trailing two to one former line michael massey 0 for two in the game but he'll lead off when the royals come to bat again next time Anyway, whenever Game 2 tonight starts, it will be right here on DWS. I'm Scott Beatty with Lauren Tate. You've got Sports Talk, hour number one here. Next hour, Evan Kahn's in with me. We'll talk with Angelique Shengelis from the Detroit News. Get a little picture of what's going on up there with the Wolverines. But Illinois football here front and center for us as we get ever closer to opening day. On the 27th, Joey Wagner writes for the Illini Inquirer. And a lot to get into here, Joey. Appreciate your time, man. Hey, no problem. Thanks for having me, guys. No media today. Get a little extra time. Yeah, I appreciate that you're not just kicking back and uh, saying, no, man, I'm off. I, you, you give us some time. I appreciate that. Um, hey, there's no off days in training camp. I know, I know. I was all when I I was all set to dive in on basically what was a depth chart that was given to us yesterday, and I I do want to do that. But today's headline, unfortunately, is not very positive news for Illini football fans, and that's the decommitment of Jamarian Harkless. Excuse me, and uh, that was maybe a, a that was at least for out of state recruits. That was maybe an anchor point in this next class. That's that's a tough one, isn't it? Yeah, he was. I mean, he was kind of the, the prize prize recruit on the defensive side of the ball. Obviously, Caden Fagan in state offensively from Arthur. He's got the headlines on the offensive side. But Harkless was a really, really big win, and Illinois did a good job recruiting him. They got in on him early. They had him on the visit. A linebackers coach Andy Boo was, was part of that recruitment. So was Terrence Jameson. And that, I mean, it was a big commitment because he he was blown up, and they got him on. They secured it, and. Ultimately, he reopened. It's a tough loss. I mean, there's really no no way about it because, one, he's a really talented player, and you could argue he should be a four-star player. And, two, because it's a, it's a position of need, guys. And, you know, they've got a lot of top-end talent right now, but as we know, that talent doesn't stay in Champaign forever, whether it be eligibility or, or opportunities um, at the NFL. So it's that's, that's a tough one. 
Well, it follows uh, about a week after Rico Jackson, who's an offensive lineman and maybe one of the best offensive linemen that they've recruited. And the reason I say that uh, the Harkless and Jackson are so highly regarded is because a lot of other schools feel that way. I mean, Harkless has got some really big offers, and I can see why he would be tempted. But uh, Illinois is gonna have, has got a lot of work to do to try to fill that defensive line. It, it looks to me like it's, 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 they're basically starting from scratch. Yeah, there's some there's some holes there. They've had a tough go of it in the class of 2023. A couple targets went to Wisconsin. Roderick Pierce, Jamil Howard, uh, Tyler Gant from St. Louis ended up at Northwestern, and now you know Harkless has committed and decommitted. So yeah, Lauren, I'm with you. I mean, there's some they still have Mason Moragan from Michigan who's committed on the defensive line, but you, I mean it's it's late in the process. We'll see what they can do. I'm sure they'll keep pushing on some of the guys, but. Is that another transfer portal offseason, right, where you get in there and, and you know, the ideally you would find someone like T-Rod Edwards who has multiple years of eligibility, but it's certainly not an ideal situation to be faced with right now. Uh, what do you think about the possibilities of uh, Randolph and Newton returning, or do you see them being drafted this year? I mean, I think they, they put themselves on the radar, right? I mean, they obviously physically look – like, they could be NFL defensive linemen. They look really good on that front. You've you got to have the production to go with it, and last year was good for both of them. I, I, mean, I think that's a huge story, Lauren, as we go into this season, is what does that look like for them? Because obviously they're going to have those – I think they're going to have those opportunities in front of them after the season, which could really <laughs> can make for a pretty big reset on the defensive line. And remember – Calvin Avery's in his final year of eligibility as well. Mm-hmm. And you know we've heard pretty glowing reviews about him over the last week or so from training camp. So that's another wrinkle in there. Joey Wagner is joining us here from IlliniInquirer.com. You follow him on Twitter at MrWagner25. Uh, just one more here on Harkless and the decommit. It's, it's tough. Um, do you look at it? as that's sometimes the cost of business and just that's what happens? Or, man, is it, boy, Illinois should have done or woulda, coulda kind of situation in however they approach this? Uh, you know, maybe a little bit of both. I mean, look, you, you won them initially. You won the recruitment over some high-profile schools. And, you know, those schools probably don't always go away, you know, after you verbally committed. So, it is the cost of doing business in some capacity when you have these high-profile guys, but surely Illinois would like to keep him, right? I mean, that. So it's the other way. I I don't know. You know, once you earn the commitment, you keep the conversation. But some of these guys, man, especially defensive linemen, are few and far between. You guys, defensive linemen and quarterbacks, there's just not there's not a lot of them to play at the Power Five level at a high level. And then you you go into SEC country and you get somebody who can do it, yeah, it gets a little harder to keep them. So it's probably a little bit of bull, Scott. Yeah. Joey Wagner is with us. Well, yesterday, Illinois had its first scrimmage of training camp. Uh, of course, it was closed off to media and public, but it seemed like it was a positive uh, outcome from, uh, from Brett Bilma's perspective. He also basically gave us a depth chart or who's <laughs> who's in the mix at most positions. I don't think there were too many surprises, but was there anything that jumped out at you? No, no, I mean, I, I don't think really. The, the, obviously, I think the surprise that probably dates back a little bit to the weekend, you guys, is freshman Matthew Bailey from Moline. Uh, Sidney Brown 
was out on the practice that we saw on Saturday. It doesn't sound like a long-term thing, but I don't think any of us expected to look up and see number 13, freshman Matthew Bailey, running with the ones and twos. So that's, to me, been the biggest surprise out of the last week. I think a lot of these positions, you know, those of us who cover the team and follow, you, know, you can see kind of how things are are shaking out a little bit. Obviously, it's, it's hard to do with the closed doors, but Bailey, to me, is probably the biggest oh, really, type of moment over the last few days. And a quarterback, just looking at what we have seen, yeah, Tommy DeVito seems way ahead of Art Sikowski, don't you think? Yeah, I thought this from the get-go that this was Tommy DeVito was probably ahead in this race, and I don't think I've seen anything that has changed my mind. Now we, we have to say that Brett Bielma and, and Barry Lunny have continued. This is a competition, and okay, that's fine. But I think as, as we look at it and listen, you know, it does feel like Tommy DeVito's job. Joey Wagner with us here on Sports well, Joey, Talk. Some months ago, uh, I asked you for your depth chart, and you gave it to me. Now we've got a kind of a, a new depth chart, and yet there aren't many changes. You, do you, what are the main differences between what we talked about some months ago and, and what you see now? Yeah, I think nose guard, Warren, yeah. uh, is the one that jumps yeah. out to me. Yeah. Is because I think we wondered, would it be Virtus Brown, would it be Calvin Avery? Uh, they obviously added, and you know, we just talked about Kira Edwards, and then they bring in Rashawn Wilkins from Vanderbilt. So, I mean, that's a lot of guys. It's kind of hard to see how it's going to shake out. And I think, in my mind, you know, the, first, the defensive line story the first few, the first week has been Calvin Avery, and I think that's the one that probably is maybe would have been harder for me to think of back in like what whatever it was, Lauren March or April when you it was basketball season. I remember that. So March when mm-hmm. you and I talked. Yeah. Well. You know, the thing about Avery is we don't know how many plays he can play. He's, he's not going to be a, you know, he's not going to be on, the, on every play all every game. He's going to have to have some rest. I mean, he still weighs over 320. So I, I think the big excitement about him it comes from the fact he lost about 30 pounds and he looks like he looks like a better player. We haven't seen whether he is a better player yet. That, that's what we don't know. But I think that it is encouraging to see him uh, in shape because I talked to the, to the, uh, some of the people over there in training, and they said that the toughest part they had, this is a couple of years ago, this is trying to get him to stay in shape because he'd leave on weekends and come back and had put on 10 pounds. <laughs> so, you know, and you could just tell that, you know, that he wasn't maybe working as hard at it as, as he needed to. Any other uh, spots uh, offensively? Are you satisfied with the center position, for instance? Yeah, I think Alex Pilstrom, I, I kind of got the sense in the spring, but obviously, I mean, that was, you know, think back to that, guys. The spring, he had only been, by the time the spring game that we all saw, that was like his third month of being a center. So I think the mm-hmm. time over the summer has helped. Uh, it's, to me, it's just, I don't, is Josh Cruz ready? Uh, can Jordan Slaughter, we saw him taking some snaps there. Could he do it? I, I just feel like this is Alex Pilstrom's spot and I think that's a big deal and I know I've said this to you guys before it's a big deal for Illinois to have that bridge center before you get to whether it's Josh Cruz or Joey Oakler they have a commitment from TJ McMillan uh having a year of Pilsen to let more development happen that's, that's a big deal I think well I think so too but when I saw Slaughter taking snaps at center I thought there there's something there I mean because he had never yeah, done that before and I thought maybe they're just trying to have an, an emergency in case I agree. I think we saw him uh, before the spring game warm-ups took some, and I thought, okay, that's that's interesting. But I just didn't get the sense that it was going to carry over into the fall, but especially when you started getting some of these freshmen in the mix. That, that was, yeah, Lauren, I'm with you. That was notable that we saw. 
Joey, when you hear Brett Bielma mention freshmen, true freshman names, and we talked about Matthew Bailey, and we saw him running with the ones, but he's thrown out a few others, Gabe Akis, uh at the, at the, the outside linebacking position, uh, Henry Boyer at tight end a little bit, Hank Beatty is a freshman uh, receiver. To Aiden me, that has been in the conversation. Say that again. A, a running back Aiden Wofford has been mentioned a few times. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean that that's probably a, a signal. Hey, the, these guys could well get some run. Not necessarily starting, of course, but that that probably means they've they've risen up and and he wants you to take note. Um, does it does it should it be a concern when Matthew Bailey is potentially backing up Sidney Brown that okay the, the the depth falls off all you got is is a freshman or is that a oh no wait they they just recruited that well and brought in that talented of a kid well I think you know you guys remember last year obviously Brett Bielma's comments on the offensive line and there was the seniors and the fourth and fifth year guys and then there was a gap to the freshman right now I know that com- comment blew up but to me the safety position this year isn't all that different and, and I think Obviously, you've got the Sidney Browns, the Quan Martins, Kendall Smith. But then there's a couple of years of a gap there before you get to Keontae Curry, Prince Green, and then the freshman they brought in. So is it a concern? I, I don't think you ever, ever want to be reliant on true freshmen unless you, know, you have one of those phenoms that it's pretty obvious they're not going to be long for college after that third year. But I, I just think that's where the position group is right now, and that's, that's what it is. And you hope, probably hope you don't have to get to it, to be honest, is – Playing a true freshman back there is not the most ideal, but I also think there are some positions that maybe lend themselves to being, I guess, less detrimental to put a true freshman out there. I don't think you want to have it on the offensive or defensive line, but I think if you look at maybe like a cornerback and Elijah McCantos or, you know, I know you mentioned Hank Beatty, Sean Miller at wide receiver, there are some positions where you could say, oh, okay, well, you could probably get away with it there, but. And maybe safety is one of them. But, yeah, depth, I think, across the board, it really positions not named running back is is something to monitor. Hey, overall, has your evaluation uh, or, or just kind of vibe or feel on this club changed because of uh, the, the last week of practice and what we've learned and what we've seen? Uh, probably not. I, I mean, I still, I still think that, that I'd like that some of the – Starters. I mean, I think there's some starters there who are going to have next-level potential. We've talked about those guys. But I do wonder about depth, and, and you need depth over the course of a football season. So that, to me, that hasn't changed. And I, it's kind of one of those things you need to see it a, a little bit to have it change. And, you know, look at linebacker last year. We thought they had depth. We saw, ultimately, inside linebacker that they did. So you want to see that again. But I, I don't know that over the first week, I would change, you know, I still think five to six wins is the target area. And I don't know that mm-hmm. that's changed from the first time we talked to Brett Bielman and Paul Camp. What is your uh, opinion in seeing the poll come out from CBS that Illinois was ranked 82 out of 131 schools? And, of course, there's only 65 schools in the Power Five, so they're 15 down from from even uh, power five, how do you? How do? You, why is Illinois ranked so low? They have won games. Well, they won five. Uh, won five games sure, last yeah. year, and they were I, I awful think, well, close in three others. <laughs> yeah, I, I, last year was. Let's be clear. Last year was a, a, a fine start to Brett Bielma's tenure. I think that's that's fair. Obviously, they would like to get to a bowl game. So, I guess, Lauren, I'm wondering. You know, is there more of a historical? 
I don't want to say bias. That feels like not the right word I want to use. But well, I think, that's, that, I think there is historical bias in, in sure. all the rankings. I mean, you have to go back and look at what people have done historically in order to be able to, you know, to guess what they're going to do this year. And I think you combine that with, you know, they did lose a pretty good amount of production, right? You lose Vidarian mm-hmm. Lowe, Doug Kramer, you can go down the list. Mm-hmm. So I think if you are a passer buyer in a college football neighborhood, you would look at those numbers and say, yeah, I don't know. I don't see it. You know, historically, they've not been very good. They lost a lot of production. You know, this seems to be like a, like a, hey, you got to show me kind of feeling to Illinois football. And, and Lauren, you've covered this for, I mean, you, you know, I don't know that that's changed that much over the last few years. You got to, until they show it consistently, I think that might just be the, you know, thousand feet away view of, of the program. Yeah, that's probably fair. That's probably fair. And they would like to, uh, turn some heads and get some attention. And well, you got to win games before you get players. It's hard to win games before you get players. Yes, exactly <laughs> right. I, I, that's obviously one of the conversation uh, a little bit of today is it, it's a tough cycle, right? And I, you know, Brett Bielema and his staff have got to develop on on these guys they got, and there's a history of doing that. But that doesn't happen overnight. You know, there's a time process there, so it's a it's an interesting spot. Yeah, well, as soon as I heard that Harkless was, uh, that Georgia was interested, uh, the national champion is interested in Harkless, I'm thinking, uh oh, you know, that's, that doesn't sound good because you have to, that, that at least turns your head, doesn't it? It does. And, and you know, look, and to Scott's question earlier, it doesn't, to me, you got to wonder, it, unless you're one of those top 10 programs in the country, you can do everything right. But if Georgia calls, does it matter how much you've done right? You know, mm-hmm. I, I think that's a tough spot. And you don't know what the NIL offer is either. You're not There's supposed to make offers, right? but you know it's going on. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Joey, we appreciate your time as always. Enjoy uh, the Mai Tai you're sipping on there, uh, <laughs> poolside under the umbrella or whatever you're doing. On I don't know where you day. think I live, Scott, but I've got a, a Monster <laughs> Energy drink and a laptop, so I think that'll suffice <laughs> for a close second. I absolutely know you are not lying on that because that's usually what you have in hand is a Monster Energy drink and <laughs> not an endorsement and and a laptop. That's the tools it, of the it trade. Be an endorsement if they want it to be. <laughs> NIL. <laughs> hey, any any of that NIL there for Joey Wagner? He's he's in, open for business. Hey, man, we always appreciate it. Let's do it again. All right, gentlemen, see you tomorrow. Joey Wagner, give him a follow. IlliniInquirer.com at MrWagner25. And, I mean, that's the undercurrent that we may not be able to see is what options are out there that Illinois just couldn't match for a, a football player like Jamarian Harkless. And that's not to say NIL's not doing its thing. There's just, hey, do you want to come win and make some money? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you just have to – there's a level to which kids right now have to want to buy into being part of – families uh, become a part of it, and defensive linemen that are big and strong and quick, boy, are they hard to find. Mm-hmm. I thought I thought Harkless was but by far the most important recruit they had uh, in, the, in this class I coming agree with in. That. And, and he's gone now, and, I, and, and Rico Card- uh, Jackson, Rico Jackson was – wasn't far behind, although he's an offensive lineman. You can get offensive. You can find offensive linemen, particularly in the state of Illinois. They, they're around. But, boy, defensive linemen, oh, just hard to find. Take a pause here for Sports Talk, and we're back with more here in our number one. 
Sports Talk continuing tonight. The Champaign City Council meeting will discuss whether or not Champaign Central High School can play that varsity game on a Saturday. Of course, remains to be seen if they'll actually have the opponent they're supposed to in Urbana. That's a separate story as well. But we've had the uh, high schoolers coming through this week and last to get ready for the high school football season here in our building. Head coach of Central Tim Turner talked about that effort to play at McKinley Field. It's been great. You know, anytime that your your program's in the news or, or talk, you know, being talked about around town, it's good for the program. And I think it's also, as you heard the kids say, provided some energy for us. Um, we, we've got a great group of kids that a couple of the guys alluded to it. They are friends. Mm-hmm. They are. They truly care about one another. And that makes a huge difference. Adding adding this spark of maybe being able to play at our home field for the first time in many many years yeah. um, really adds to that spark. And and to be honest, you know, I, I hope I hope we get to do it. But the 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 campaign of trying to do it, I think, is going to benefit our team immensely throughout the course of this season. See what happens on all this. One of the last games I saw at McKinley Field was Champaign. High school, maybe maybe it was Central then, maybe it was high school then, in the in the '60s, playing Urbana, and in Champagne won about forty or fifty to nothing, oh. and I had I wrote the story, and boy did I get excoriated the next day by Warren Smith, the Urbana coach who just wasn't used to. <laughs> I said, "Well, you got beat that fifty to nothing. What'd you expect?" <laughs> what'd you expect? <laughs> but he was madder than the devil about me because I. Pointed out some things that didn't, you know, it didn't look good for Urbana. I don't know that you have much of a defense. And by in his the way, position. I think they were both really good teams at that time. Both good I teams, and, and Urbana just fell apart at McKinley Field. Well, Central wouldn't mind that happening again, I'm sure. But first things first, that meeting is tonight. We'll come back with our final transition here of hour number one on Sports Talk. Tuesday edition of Sports Talk coming up on the conclusion of the first hour. Next hour, Evan with us and Angelique Shengelis from the Detroit News. They'll tell us about the Wolverines. And crazy Herbaugh. Herbaugh is different. Are they a national championship contender? Well, I, I doubt it, but I mean... I guess they got to beat Ohio State to do it. Yeah, I mean, and, and they're not... They've lost Ohio State's way better than Michigan this year, probably, based on what they've got back. Yeah. I, I, stranger things have happened. Oh, sure. I mean, it, it, it's, a, it's a big contest, but I would think that Ohio State would win this year. And, and you know, Michigan State will be good again. Wisconsin will be good again. I mean, same teams. I'm I think last year. Michigan might be. I'll be asking. I think Michigan might be able to go eleven and zero until they face Ohio State. Well, it's possible. Yeah, they don't really have a strong schedule. How do you like Ohio State Notre Dame first game? I think that's the national. I mean, that may determine everything. If you, it's, it's a tough one for Notre Dame. I think Ohio State could lose and still come back and win the Big Ten and win the the playoff game and yeah. and still get into the Final Four. But I don't think. Uh, I'm not sure that. Notre Dame's schedule would allow it to do that. 
Yeah. Yeah. Pro- I mean, I, both they, teams are. And they don't have feel a playoff like game. Don't lose this game. It's almost a early playoff. Wait a minute. Game. But Ohio State, I think, has an outlet valve there. Notre Dame. Uh, Notre Dame doesn't have a playoff game in the ACC, do they? I mean, they just play five ACC teams, and they're just like non-league games. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. So, I don't know, but basically, you can't get in with two losses. So, but they do play Clemson and they do play uh, Southern Cal. So, those are games that you can get a lot back on by winning those games. WDWS Champaign Urbana.